building this foundation. We're building a foundation so that we can have kingdom fruit. We can have kingdom manifestations. And we're trying to get everyone, because we, as we said before, we all come from different backgrounds in this church. Some of us are more mainstream denominational. Some of us come from Catholics. Some of us come from Pentecostal. Some of uh, um, Assemblies of God, all these different streams. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring everyone together in unity and under, understanding on the topic of being spiritual. Do you know what the opposite of spiritual is? Carnal. The opposite of being spiritual is being carnal. And there's carnality in both mainstream of religion and wildfire Pentecostal experiences. Oh yeah, there is. And so we're building on this because we want to see God move in a mighty way. We want to see God move in a mighty way here at Karis New Testament Church more than, he, than we're, we've seen up to this date. We want to press in. We want to see more of the kingdom of God manifest. Amen? And what we've seen so far is that it's God's will, it's Jesus' will for each one of us to be baptized in Holy Spirit. It's God's will. That's God's will for you. Jesus says, do not do anything until you receive the promise from the Father. How often do we live our lives not in partnership with Holy Spirit? So often we do our own thing and then ask God to bless it. You know, a lot of, a lot of times we wouldn't, we wouldn't have to pray those panic prayers so much if we started out asking Holy Spirit, what should we do? Right? A lot of the things we find ourselves in is because we do it on our own. A lot of trouble that we find ourselves in is because we do it on our own and then seek God. But this is the will of the Father. This is the will of God. This is what children of God look like. They are baptized with the Holy Spirit. See, it's one thing to have the Holy Spirit in you. It's another thing to have the Holy Spirit being submerged into Holy Spirit. That's what baptism means. To be submerged into. We use a, this idea of, you know, you got a cup and it's filled with water. Right? That's great. It's filled right to the top with, top with water. It's filled, right? That's one thing. But the cup is still in control. The, the cup, it, is, its will is, is, is still in control. If you take that cup and you throw it into the ocean, what happens? Well, the water's in the cup still, right? But the cup's in the water. And that's what, that's how I see the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Each of us, when we're born again, we have the Holy Spirit that resides in us. But there is an empowerment, there's an ability, there's a supernatural side of the kingdom of God 
which all of the kingdom of God is supernatural, but that can operate in our daily lives as we submerge, as we walk in Holy Spirit. We walk in partnership with Holy Spirit. We walk in fellowship with Holy Spirit. Do you understand that this is the will of the Father? The will of the Father is that you would know God and Jesus Christ who Him He has sent. That is eternal life. Jesus says that is eternal life. Eternal life is not coming to church and singing some songs and hearing three points in a poem and getting a pat on the back and going home and doing your religious routine week after week after week. It's coming into fellowship, communion with the living God, the creator of heaven and earth. God longs to have an intimate relationship with you. Well, Chad, how can you know that? He's, he's so far away. Because in the garden, he walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. He walked constantly with Adam and Eve. You know, one of the things that I, I, I've seen when we were teaching the last series on that partnership of man and woman together, one of the things that I've seen, and then I didn't share it with you, and I wasn't expecting to share it with you today, but here we go. But anyway, you know, God made Adam. God made Adam. And he's, he's, he, he, then he put him in charge of naming all the animals. And that's impossible. Right? So what did God do? He helped Adam. It said, God brought the animals to Adam to see what we, he would call him. He helped. He came along Adam and helped Adam in the task that he had at hand. And he went through and he named all the animals. And it says when he got to the end of naming the animals, Adam said he found no helpmate for him. I believe from the very beginning that God wanted to be Adam's helpmate. God wanted to be his partner. God wanted to be that intimate and close with man. And we know that at that time, man and woman was together. I don't know what that looked like. It's a mystery. I don't know. Right? Because he took woman out of man. I don't know what that looks like. It's just what the Bible says. And so Adam was depressed. He had no help. He had no one. He had no one, he said. And so what did God do? He put Adam to sleep. He took the rib from Adam's side. He made woman from that rib. And Adam looked at her and went, Whoa, man. But he said, This she shall be called woman, womb from man, right? This is now bone of my bone. This is flesh of my flesh. See, Adam, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was not was the fruit of those mental things that Adam did, those separations that he had in his own mind leading up to up to that. He wanted he wanted someone in his image. He wanted someone that was like him. He, that was the first time he rejected God. But God 
is constantly pursuing humanity. And even when they fell, even when they hid themselves, who did God, when they sinned, did God run from sin? Or did, who ran from sin? Adam and Eve ran from sin. They hid from God. God didn't hide his face from them. See, that's what a lot of people think is, is, is that when we screw up, when we mess up, when we operate in the flesh, that God somehow rejects us. No, that causes us to reject God. It causes us to hide from God. And so we hide from God. But God came pursuing, pursuing Adam and Eve. And God continued pursuing humanity all the way up until He Himself became flesh. The Word, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's, how, that's the extent that our God would pursue us. That's the extent that our God wants a relationship with you, individually with you. He wants an intimate relationship with you. If you could just get to understand the, the, the characteristics of our God, that would be like, and, and it's a poor example, but that would be like you choosing to become an ant so that those ants could know how much you love them. How many of you would give up who you are today to become an ant? None of you. No, no takers? Think about that. God became one of us for eternity. See that at the right hand of the Father is a resurrected man. The firstborn from the dead. Then He sends Holy Spirit to come alongside you so you can have this intimate fellowship with Him day in and day out. We have such an awesome, awesome opportunity to be connected with the Creator of all things, to be connected with God Almighty, to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And He wants to baptize you in His power. He wants to baptize you in His ability. He wants to baptize you in His wisdom. He wants to walk in partnership and fellowship with Him. Because He wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit in the kingdom of God. He wants us to bear fruit in this world. He wants to, sh he wants to show Himself good to this world. And he, we bear fruit, how? Through connection to the Holy Spirit, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. So the question that I asked for when we first kicked this off is, what's your desire? What's your desire? See, one of the things that's interesting, and it's, it's funny how people think, but Holy Spirit does not force you to do anything. Demons force people to do things. I have to do this. The flesh forces you. It commands you to do things. You go to McDonald's and you say, you know what, today I'm just going to have a salad. And you walk in there and the smell of the fries and the burgers hits your nose and pretty soon 
you're ordering a hamburger and a large fry and a Diet Coke and apple pie, and you were just going to have a salad because you knew that you were supposed to have a salad that day. Why? Because the flesh drives. Anger. Anger just drives people. That's not the way of God. And that's not the way of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit works in partnership with you. He never drives. He leads. That's why Jesus says that I am the shepherd. And sheep hear his voice. Sheep follow the shepherd. You know that? When a shepherd shepherds sheep, they follow the the sheep follow the shepherd. Do you know how, how goats are led? They're not led. They're driven. You have to drive goats. We're not goats. We're sheep, right? And we are led by our shepherd. We are led by Holy Spirit. And you have to have a desire. You have to have a desire to be led by Holy Spirit. You have to have a desire in your heart to see more of God manifest. You have to have a desire in your heart for humanity the way that God has a desire for humanity. You have to have a desire. You have to have a desire to, to, to want to see you lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You have to have a desire to have the, the wisdom of God give you a word of knowledge for an individual that you would never be able to know on your own and you speak that to them and it sets them free and it makes them say, God is real and He cares about me. You have to have a desire for more than just yourself. And if we do not have that desire, we really need to spend time with God and have Him melt our hearts of stone and to give us our heart's desire. We need to be a church that has a desire that beats, a heart that beats with God's heart. For those in, around us and th those that are in our communities, those that are in our workplace, these gifts are not just for to entertain us on Sunday mornings. It's to bring down strongholds. It's, uh, it's to make, show God strong. It's to be His ambassadors, His witnesses, into the ends of the earth. You know, last week we've seen how the Apostle Paul desired for the church to be spiritual. And he taught us that we don't have to be ignorant about this partnership with Holy Spirit in our lives. It says in Corinthians 12.1, 1 Corinthians 12.1, it says, Now concerning spiritual brethren, I do not want you be to be ignorant. We don't have to be ignorant about being spiritual. But in lots of areas we are when it comes to being spiritual. Operating and moving in the Spirit of God. And that's what we're looking to establish here at Karis NTC. We're, 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 we're looking for understanding and wisdom not only, not only what the Word of God says about being spiritual and spiritual gifts, but also how to operate and walk in that knowledge. Right? There's one thing 
There's one thing to have knowledge about something, to be book smart about something. It's another thing to have wisdom and understanding on how to use and operate that, right? You can read, you can read a owner's manual to a jet fighter all you want. You could, you could teach classes on how you fly a jet, jet fighter. You can, you can teach classes on, on how lift operates and how thrust and all these things operate. But if you've never walked in it, if you never flew a jet, you do not have wisdom. You don't have understanding of how it actually operates. Right? So there's two keys here. You have to have knowledge, but you also have wisdom and understanding on how to operate and flow and partner and walk in Holy Spirit. And what does that look like? So I got a warning for you this morning. There's a warning label on today, this morning. There's a good chance that lots of people could get offended today. Just so you know, that's your flesh. So before we even start, I want you to say, I love Pastor Chad. There we go, that's nice. Okay. Because we're setting a foundation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Verse 12, it says, Now we have received, look at that. We have received, have received, that's past tense, right? You have received, not the spirit of the world, but a spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. God's not trying to hide things from you. Do you know that? I mean, He puts them in a mystery. Right? What's a mystery for? To be figured out. Right? It's mysterious, but He's not hiding it from you. He's not keeping it from us. These things we also speak, not in words which, man, with, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things to spiritual things. See, the spirit of the world is controlled by the flesh. What we can see, hear, taste, smell, and touch. That's what happened in the garden. They seen. That looks good. And that it was good for food and it would taste good. And that it was, could make one wise. All of that was in the flesh. All of that was fleshly centered. When they were in connection already in fellowship with the one that created that stinking fruit, which I believe was a fig. Why do I believe it was a fig, not an apple? Because they covered themselves with fig leaves. So as soon as they realized they were naked, what did they do? They grabbed salad dressing and dressed themselves. Right? Actually, the apple, this is a little side note for you. You guys don't have nothing going on today, do you? The apple came, came out of this uh, a marketing thing back, I don't, I don't forget the years, but what people were doing is, you know how apple cider can ferment? From, ferment? People were drinking fermented apple cider and 
there was people in the church that thought that was evil. So they made up little posters that had Eve eating the forbidden fruit as an apple. And that's how we that's how we got that ingrained in our head that it was an apple. So there's a little church history for you. Anyways. The spirit of this age, the spirit of this world is all fleshly. It's fleshly. And our flesh drives us. Right? And the spirit, the, the old man is dead, but we still live in a flesh. And let me tell you that not all things that the flesh desires is good for you. It might even feel good at the time, but it leads to death and destruction. And I share, I, I've shared this before you. You know, you know, smoking, it won't send you to hell, it just makes you smell like it. And if you remember, for those that have smoked in the past, or are still smoking, the first time you took that drag off that Marlboro Red, you, di you didn't look like the Marlboro Man. <coughs> Your body was rejecting it. You were coughing, right? You were turning green. All, uh, all those things. But what happened? You trained your flesh to do it over and over and over again. And now, not only does your flesh accept it, but it demands it. It tells you it wants it. And now you have to have it. Well, Jesus can break that. But that's your flesh. We need to understand how our flesh works. And that, 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 is, that is in so many different areas of our life. Just because it feels good does not mean it is good. Right? Just because it tastes good doesn't mean it, you know. I remember when a scoop of ice cream was a scoop of ice cream. Now it's a half a container of ice cream for me. It's not, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's good for you, right? I mean, I can't, I can't tell you. See, I, I tell on myself. I can't tell you how many times that I've eaten something because my flesh was desiring. You know, you go down fast food row and all that during lunchtime and all, all that smell just comes right in your car. I thought they put filters in the car so you couldn't smell that stuff. But now between pot smell and yeah, marijuana smell and fast food smell. Well, anyways, so you pull in there and you get it, and you're thinking, I, 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 shouldn't, I shouldn't eat this. And then afterwards, you, you're eating it and you're enjoying it. Why? Because they got all those um, added additives in there that make it taste so good and makes your taste buds just pop. And then, so you're enjoying it while you're eating it. Oh, this is good. And then a little bit later, guess what happens? Oh. Why did I eat that? I feel miserable now. It happens to me. I know it never happens to you guys, but but that's your flesh. And the spirit of the world is controlled by the flesh. 
And we can't go on the other side of the ditch and say that, well, so that, what are you saying? That all natural things, all feelings, all enjoyment is evil? Because that's what, that's what religion does a lot of times. They lock themselves up in monasteries and take vows of silence and obtain from eating certain things and not marrying and all these things. That's the other ditch. No, God gave us all things to enjoy, but we are not to be brought into bondage and slavery to any of them. We are to walk in the Spirit, and when we walk in the Spirit, we do not gratify the lusts of the flesh. I should have more spiritual discipline to walk into a McDonald's and not cave to the smell of French fries. That's just showing that my flesh is was stronger than my spirit. At the, in that instance. And the same thing goes for you guys. So all these things that we can see, we can taste, we can touch. In other words, it's our feelings. And can, can you tell me that we live in a culture that is totally controlled by the spirit of this world? Feelings, feelings, feelings. The way that I feel. You know, feelings are a lot like a thermostat. They let you know the situation. If you feel angry, you shouldn't say, oh, I'm angry. No, you feel angry. You need to ask yourself, why am I angry? You understand that? That's what our feelings are for. They're, they're, they're not to lead us but they're, to, they're like a warning light on a dashboard of your car that says, you need to change your oil. You need to check something out. This is the way that you're feeling. They're not to, to control our lives. In verse 14, But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. See, the spiritual things in faith are foolishness to carnal people. Because they're controlled by the spirit of this world. They're controlled by what they can see, what they can taste, what they, the feelings. But spiritual things are supernatural. Spiritual things are invisible. Spiritual things are powerful. But the natural man can't see them because to them it just seems like foolishness. Here is the thing when it comes to being spiritual. Here is the thing to, when it comes to spiritual gifts. Is that we all have to understand that we have a flesh, we have carnality that needs to be dealt with. And this will answer some questions. Because some of you have seen some weird stuff in, in, in your past. You've seen some weird things done in the name of Jesus, done in the na name of the Lord. Some of you don't want anything to do with spiritual things or the gifts of the Spirit or Holy Spirit because you've seen those things. It's flesh. Not everything that moves is moved by the Spirit. You can be, you can be carnal and, earth, and, and, and being controlled by things of this earth or you can be... Con you can be carnal by being controlled by your flesh in the things of the Spirit. We have a flesh to deal with. 
And we also have to have grace for those that are in the flesh. Amen. Not everything that happens in church is spiritual. The first thing you have to ask yourself when it comes to being spiritual is that if you're trying to make something happen, are you trying to make something happen? If I just do this, then the Holy Spirit shows up. If we, if we can just get everybody to do this, then God's going to move mightily. Can you manipulate Holy Spirit? Can you control Holy Spirit? Can you, can you control God Almighty? See, if you are trying to make something happen, you are not being spiritual. Spiritual works in partnership with Holy Spirit. It works in partnership with Holy Spirit. We're not commanding Holy Spirit to do things. We, we are walking in partner with Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit speaks to us. He leads us in a direction and we, by faith, step out in that direction. You understand? I mean, there's been things, you know, when I first came in the church, this probably came out of the 80s, 90s, but, uh, you know, people used to do those Jericho marches. I remember our young adult thing at the Methodist church. I'm still in my hometown, so we, we did this Jericho march around the church building to break down uh, religious strongholds. And on the seventh time, we just shouted, right? That's of the flesh. I see nowhere in Scripture where Jesus sent the disciples out doing a Jericho march. I see nowhere where Apostle Paul says, you know, Rome's really trying to persecute us. Let's walk around Rome seven times and see those strongholds come down. First of all, the enemy is defeated. He is defeated. You do not have to defeat Satan. He is already defeated. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. You already are a conqueror. You walk out the victory that we already have in Jesus Christ. But we used to do, we did those Jericho march, marches. And then, then you had the flag wavers. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with waving flags. Alright? Just don't hit me with them. Right? But well, we get this idea that if we wave these certain flags, listen, again, I know I told you I was going to offend people. If we we got different flags and we wave certain ones, then Holy Spirit does different things. Huh? Yeah. Listen, that's of the flesh. And then, then we have the runners. They run, run, like to run, run. Holy Spirit sent them, so they run. That does not prove that Holy Spirit's here. That doesn't, that doesn't increase that Holy Spirit's here. If you want to run and need to exercise, run. But you're not making Holy Spirit do anything by running. And then we had, we had a group at one church we were at, young. young. They were, these, they, every, all these things, people have good hearts. They have good hearts. But 
this idea that if we anoint something with oil, that somehow demons, oh no, there's oil on there. I can't go through that door. I mean, Satan showed right up at one of the most holy moments. Jesus had been, had been fasting food and water for 40 days and spending time with God and, ho- and Satan shows up. But I remember they, they put oil down in, all, in front of all the door, doors that went into the church and all it did was make a mess and stain the, and stain the cement. We, are, we do not practice witchcraft. We don't do the right potion or the right, the right chant or the right thing and then pop, God pops out. It's walking in communion with Holy Spirit. You know, twitching or rolling on the ground whenever the Holy, presence of the Holy Spirit is there. I, I twitch once in a while. I do, but it doesn't control me. See, once when I was in, uh, we, we went to uh, Toronto Christian Airport, and it was an amazing experience. You know, the atmosphere was just charged because so many people were expecting the Holy Spirit to be to to do something. They were expecting God to do something. You had people rolling on the ground, people laughing. It actually was very fun for me, but if you go in with a hard heart and a religious mindset and you know, don't enjoy the presence of God, you, you wouldn't like it. But I, but I remember there was two speakers that we've we seen. I can't tell you the name of the first speaker, but I can tell you exactly what he taught. He talked out of Matthew 24. And he taught it in a way that I never heard it before, and he offended me. And I remember the whole thing, and now I believe exactly the way he taught. The other one was Heidi Baker, world-famous world missionary in, in Africa. Seen miracles, all these things. When I was walking in the building, she was walking in at the same time. I didn't know who she was at the time. And she just, boom, hit the floor as soon as she walked in the, walked in the, the building. And throughout the whole time she was up there speaking, she was, you know, twitching and stuff. And I couldn't get my mind off the twitching. I can't tell you a, a thing that she said. I can't tell you a thing that she said. We, there's nothing wrong with experiencing the presence of God, but if, if it's not bringing edification, if it's not bringing, bringing the corporate body, I mean, there are things that I will do in the privacy of my own prayer closet, in the privacy of my, where, wherever I am, when, when I'm, you might see me in my car sometime, you think, well, that, that guy shouldn't be driving. That I would I, I wouldn't do in a corporate setting. Because there are things that I do with my wife Amanda that I wouldn't do in a corporate setting either. Because they're intimate. They're between me and God. Right? You understand what I'm saying? There's intimate things. There are things that me and God enjoy together that you wouldn't understand. And then when we come into a corporate setting. It's different. Right? See, not all these things are necessarily wrong, but the truth of the matter is, it's mostly 
that person's personality. That person's personality. They, they, they are very, you know, there's certain people that go into dance and theater and those things. Why? Because that's their personality. But when we say that I have to do this or, God, or you're going to quench the Spirit of God, God, that's of the flesh. See, just as when someone speaks ugly to you and, or they disagree with you and you feel angry and you feel resentful, just like that's your flesh, it's the same thing with all these other things, but it's just the other side of the stick. Flesh is flesh. See, church people, we like flesh just as long as it's grade A prime flesh. Kobe beef, Wagyu, is that the new one? Wagyu steak flesh. Ours just isn't the flesh of the world. Ours is spiritual flesh. But I'm here to tell you flesh is flesh. Whenever you're operating in the flesh and you're not operating in the spirit, you're not going to see the fruit of the kingdom of God manifest as God wills. And we want a church that wants a real move of God in it. We want to see fruit and, 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 and God's ability operating in our midst. Because we have to understand that everything that moves is not moved by the Spirit, and every message that ends with, thus says the Lord, at the end of it, is not the Lord speaking. Right? The just shall live by faith. You live in faith in what Jesus Christ has done. You, you examine what is happening. You have the Spirit of God in you. You know, John actually says, you have the Spirit of God in you and you need no man teach you anything. You know deep inside of you whether a thing is of God or it's not of God because you have the Spirit of God in you if you are spiritually discerning and, and walking in the Spirit. Do you understand that? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to dumb idols, however you were led. First of all, this, this word spiritual, if you look that up in the Vines Expository Dictionary, the Greek word used for spiritual is pneumatikos. I don't know. P-N-E-U-M-A-T-I-K-O-S. And it's used 26 times in the New Testament. It is the adjective of the Greek word pneuma, which is, means spirit. And it's a word that is not used in this Septuagint, which is the pre-Christian Greek translation of the Old Testament. So this Greek word was never used in the Old Testament when it was translated into Greek. All right? It also was never used in the Gospels. The only place that it's found, it's found 26 times, and the only place it's found is in pre-Pentecost era of the church. 
it is an antonym, which is the opposite of the words carnal and natural. And it applies to the spiritual realm of either God or Satan. It always implies the ideas of invisibility and of power. So Paul begins his remarks about being spiritual and the use of spiritual gifts by reminding these Corinthians that they had once been delivered or, or they had been once de been deceived into worshiping idols, right? So he's, he's, he's breaking it down to them, this idea, this new idea of how to be spirit, spiritual. And he does this by reminding them that they were once deceived by dumb idols. And this was a warning to them that they could not just trust their own judgment. They had been, they had been led astray before. They needed to give heed to his instructions. So how do we apply this warning to ourselves in this day? How do we apply this warning that, that Paul gives the Corinthians about being led astray by dumb, dumb idols in our day? We cannot be led just by our own feelings. You cannot be led by your feelings when it comes to when it's concerning the gifts of the Spirit that's available to each one of us. We must align ourselves with the directions from Apostle Paul found in the Word of God when it comes to governing the use of spiritual gifts. And they must supersede any urge or leading that we may feel. Do you understand that? Holy Spirit will always go, be in line with the Word of God. And if you are doing something outside of the Word of God because you feel you need to do that, you're not being spiritual. You're being carnal. It is our use of spiritual gift gifts doesn't if our if our use of spiritual gifts does not match Paul's instructions then we are using them incorrectly see even though we're born again even though you're 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 spirit filled we all have the ability to be led by our flesh we've already talked about that right even though our old nature and old man is dead we still need to choose to walk in newness of life it's our choice to be led by the spirit and not by the flesh it's your choice Know that even the most, the most mature believers have the ability to be led by their flesh and their emotions. You see this. You see men of God and women of God that had mighty moves, did miracles, did prophecies that came true. All these things. And then something happens that is totally out of ordinary. Maybe they fall. Maybe there's an affair. Maybe there's, there's um, a financial issue. Something happens. Does that mean that everything that they did up to that time was wrong was not of God no it's just that they allowed their flesh to dictate their life it's the same thing with you we just hold them up on such a platform that all of a sudden we question our salvation when someone that we we esteem as a mighty man or a mighty woman of God does something wrong we question our salvation that just shows you that you got some you got your eyes on the wrong savior They're men and women just like you. 
They're fighting the battle of their flesh just like you. They can miss it just like you. Right? See, the church doesn't understand this because we get offended when someone's in their flesh. No, that's just their flesh. Just like you. There are even been times when God was truly moving and they might have been hearing from God, but they process what they hear through the lens of their own emotions and or flesh. Listen, God can give you a word for someone and it might just be a short little word and you're thinking, well, that's not long enough. And they add, you add to it. And you don't understand that one word. I, I've, heard, I've heard testimonies of someone just given a word and it was something from someone's past and, and God just just moved. But we add our own little thing to it or we interpret the word. And we add, well, this has, must have to do with what's happened in politics today. Or this must be happening because I know, I know this about their life. So God must be trying to correct that. No, that's the flesh. That's you adding yourself to it. God might have had a word. He had something to, to operate through you. But we have to, instead of just being a fellowship and, and walking in faith, this is what the Holy Spirit said for me to say. I don't understand it, but I understand God. God works wonders. And I'm going to just do say what God told me to say and leave it at that. You understand that? Not everything that's said or demonstrated with us says the Lord does not automatically make it the Word of God. Some people go from prophet to prophet to prophet to prophet to prophet trying to get direction for their own life. That's not, you, you have been given Holy Spirit for direction for your life. They should, a prophet should com, confirm what Holy Spirit's already speaking to you. You understand that? We have the Word of God for direction in our life. And you must judge when someone gives you a word or someone does something, we judge it according to the Word of God. We judge it to the written Word and we judge it to the living Word. And the living Word is who? Jesus. What does that mean? That means we take the written Word and we interpret it through Jesus and His finished work. Right? And then... And then... You, you have other mature members in the body of Christ that you can ask them about it. And leaders in the church to confirm what the Spirit, what the, the, the spirit before acting on it. When the body is being abused by the gifts rather than edified by them, it push, puts pressure on church leadership. You're seeing this. A lot of you are saying it's, it, it's, it seems strange that like back in the 90s and 80s there was a great move of, of Holy Spirit and, and signs and wonders and these miracle things were happening, but it seems like in everyday church services that it, it, it kind of has stopped. That now Holy Spirit, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, come up front, we'll take you to the back room and we'll pray for you, for you there. We put Holy Spirit in the back. Why? Because of people acting out in their flesh, it has caused leadership to go the 
opposite direction in their flesh and shut everything down. Flesh is flesh. And that's what's happened. That's what's happened. Because it's not fun to have to correct people in the body of Christ because they get offended so easily. And they think that what they're doing and how they're acting is of God. That if I don't do this, I'll just explode. No, you won't. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. Well, God's, I, God's making me do this. No, God doesn't make you do anything. He can't even make you get saved. And what's funny, what's funny is that when a person is attempting to move in the Spirit with some manifestation that is obviously the flesh, everybody else can see it, it's the flesh. Everybody knows it's of the flesh, except them. Except them. That's why Paul gave guidelines that we will be looking in greater detail in the future as we go through this. I mean, you, you have the tambourine, tambourine lady, right? That plays off beat anytime that she wants. There's nothing wrong with the tambourine lady. If you want to play your tambourine, but that doesn't make the Holy Spirit show up. Holy Spirit was here because He came in you. Right? Then you have the, the shofar brother that blows the shofar at will and unannounced and frightens everybody in the congregation. Right? Again, Jesus won the, Jesus won the victory. If you want to blow the shofar, because see, some people might say that I'm poo-pooing on the shofar because I can't blow it. Those things are so hard to blow. I can't, I can't blow one. I tried blowing one. I can't blow it. But no, if you want to celebrate Jesus with the shofar, that's fine. But to think that when you blow that, 100,000 angels show up, you're nuts. You're nuts. I can tell the ones that, you can actually kind of tell which stream each everybody's come from. Then you have, the, like I said, the flag and the, the banner people that wave them around. And of course, they got to go up front to do it in front of everybody. And they're swinging them around, not paying attention to anybody worshiping around them. And you're ducking, dodging through, through worship service. Again, there's not, there's, again if, if that's your own personality, it doesn't bring in the presence of God. God already said that He'd never leave us, He'd never forsake us. Do you know, do you know what manifests the presence of God? Faith. Faith, believing that God is here, believing that Holy Spirit's here, believing that He loves us, believing that He does miracles, believing that He doesn't want to leave us like, like we came in. That's what, that's what manifests the power of God. It's faith that He is here and He is who He says He is. And that Jesus accomplished it. That Jesus is raised from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father, and all the enemies of, of hell is underneath its feet, and we are more than conquerors in Him. That is faith, and that is a move, that is being spiritual. But us waving the, the banners, us blowing the shofar, us banging the tambourine, us running around the room, is no different than saying ten Hail Marys and five I, Our Fathers. 
It's religion. If you want to wave a banner, wave a banner. Just watch out for people. If you want to play a tambourine, at least get some rhythm. If you want to blow the shofar, let people know before you do it. Right? We want a move of God. We want a move of God. But we also want people to be edified. We want them to be built up. We want them to be encouraged. We want people to say, if that's what it looks like to be spiritual, I don't want it. We don't want people to be that way. We don't want to say, I don't want to be like them. Why? Because their personality is not like them. And that's another thing. We've got to stop judging one another because people have different personalities and expressions on how they worship God. You know, worshiping God with your hands behind your back and having your head down, that might be okay with you. But it's not alright with me. I want my hands up and I want to praise Him. But maybe that's not your personality. I won't judge you if you don't judge me. How about that? How about I won't judge the intent of your heart? I, I will trust that you are created in the image of God and you love God with all your heart and you are worshiping Him how, how, how you can experience Him. How about a church be like that? How about the church don't judge the one running around the room and the, and the other ones that are sitting on their hands? Right? But at the same time, we need to do it in love. We need to do, we need to understand that our actions have consequences to other believers, especially other, other believers that are weaker in the faith. See, Apostle Paul talks about that. He talks about, you know, eating meat that's, worth, uh, that's been sacrificed to idols. And Paul says, you, we know that idols are nothing. There's no, there's no power over, those, those gods have no power over us. But if there's a weaker brother or sister, and, 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 and they feel that you shouldn't be eating those meats, sacrificed idols, then you shouldn't eat the meats with them. You, should, you shouldn't just sit in front of them and eat the meats. It's the same thing with all things spiritual. There are people that are, are not as mature in the faith. And how do, how do you know if you're mature in the faith? You walk in grace and mercy. You walk in the same grace and mercy that God has with you. Right? And, and, and you understand that you don't know everything. I don't know everything. But we walk together in unity, trusting that each one of us wants the, 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 the kingdom of God to manifest in a greater and greater way, and that we all love Jesus. And we want to see people set free. And we want to see people to come into the kingdom. And we want to see miracles and, and lives restored. Then you have the dancers, and the, again, the dancers all got to come forward. They got to be up front. If you want to dance before the Lord, why do you got to do it in front of us? Again, I dance before the Lord, just not in front of you. <laughs> there's nothing, there's, there's, you don't want to see that. You try to cast a demon out of me. But no. <laughs> Understand the motives and understand, understand. There's there's nothing wrong with twirling and dancing before God. The Bible says that Jesus, He says, when when the disciples came back, 
when he when he when, when the disciples came back and they they said that um, um, even the the demons flee at your name and it said Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and it literally means he jumps and twirled in the air. The Old Testament prophet says that God dances and twirls over us. There's nothing wrong with those things. But just take into consideration of others in the corporate setting. And then you have the Old Testament prophet. I thought today was going to be a short message. I only had like ten slides or something. Then you, then you, then you have the Old Testament prophet. That, is, that, that brings down the condemnation and the guilt and doom and gloom. I say Old Testament prophet because the New Testament prophet and Old Testament prophet are completely different things. The spirit of prophecy is the spirit of Jesus. Jesus. And Jesus has the victory. Then you have the Quakers and Shakers. See, these are just some examples of manifestations that are subject to abuse when you allow it to become the focus rather than Jesus, rather than Holy Spirit, rather than God. When, when the manifestation, when the feelings are the most important thing, then you're no longer being spiritual, but you're being carnal. I love goosebumps. I love the twitch. I love to feel the presence of God on my flesh. But that never dictates if he's here or he's not. I have preached some messages and I have preached them and got done and felt like they were the driest, most worst message that I've ever preached and have someone come up to me and say, you changed my life. That, that, that just spoke right to me. I never judge as much as I had to learn this. I never judge according to how I feel. You do it by faith. See, these are all these manifestations can be abused by believers with good hearts and intentions, but led by the flesh nonetheless. See, that's what you have to understand is that when 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 you've seen these things, it's not those those people are tr or myself even if if you see me do something, it's not that they're trying to be disruptive. It's not that they're trying to be distracting. It's not that they're trying to... to uh, I was in a conference once, and there were... Pastor Tom was there with me, and we both, afterwards, we both said the same exact thing. There was a guy in this conference, and he in, in the little hall areas of where the different seating was, he'd be standing there, and he'd be going back and forth like this. I'm thinking, what? And then come to find out that the main speaker there, that he was that guy's right-hand guy for that. <laughs> and what he was doing, he was interceding, praying during the service. Okay. But it's still, when you're trying to listen to somebody and you're looking at this guy going back and forth over there, it's distracting. It's distracting. Is there a reason he needed to be right there? And then he'd move over to this side. I mean, tell you the truth, you're kind of getting prepared. What's this guy going to do? It, it'd be funny if it wasn't so true. 
But, uh, but understand that. You have people around you. And, and, and they have good hearts. And they're doing these things because they want to praise God. They want, they, want every, they want everybody. I want you to experience God the way that I experience God. And I'm telling you, there's some people that you will never get to do that. We, there's some people, it, it would take all they had just to raise their hands during a worship service. Because it's just their personality. And, and you've got to wrestle with that too. Those that have trouble raising your hands, you've you, you got to ask yourself, what is it in me? Why, why is fear controlling me from doing that? And, and, and those, those that are extravagant, you need to ask yourself, why do I feel that I need to do all these things for the presence of God to be there and for me to enjoy the presence of God? If I don't do these things, then Holy Spirit isn't there. God can't move. It's the, it's a, you see, it's the same exact thing. It's just two ends of the same stick. And I'm not saying that all these manifestations can never be done and it can never be of the Spirit. But when you feel you have to do such and such for God to move, then you are in religion. You're in religious works. And that is, all religion is of the flesh. Most of the time, it's people's own personalities again. And how they enjoy worshiping and celebrating the Lord. But in a corporate setting, loving others trumps our desires and emotions. Do you understand that? In a corporate setting where the family of God is together, loving and thinking of others more highly than yourself is more important than your desires and emotions. Let's look at some order that Paul outlines in 1 Corinthians 14. He says in verse 29, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if any, anything is revealed to another who sits by, let him first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and be encouraged. See, Paul is telling us very clearly that no individual has the last word when it comes to operating in spiritual gifts. We are all in subjection. Each person who feels led to step out and operate in gifts must submit to whatever they have to share or manifest to other mature believers and spiritual leaders. Can you see that? Can you see that? Just because someone says, thus says the Lord, doesn't mean that it's thus says the Lord. There are other people that have to, that, that have to say, yes, this is of the Lord. Right? And there's two ways you can do that. When the Lord gives you a word, you can go, go to leadership and those, those that are in, in the church that are mature and say, this is what I feel the Lord is, is wanting to say. Run it by them. If they say, yeah, that's awesome. That's from the, from the word. You can share it. Or you can share it and then church leadership, if it's not from the word or if it's out of order, then they have to bring correction. I think the first one is a smarter way to do it than the second one. Again, the reason why people leader, leadership shuts down the operation of the Holy Spirit is because they're of the flesh, they're cowards. 
Sometimes I'm a coward. And they don't want to correct people. Why? Because they're going to leave. They're going to get offended and leave. Can we be honest there? But Paul gave us clear understanding, direction, and how the gifts are to operate. And that, that no one, just because you think the Lord is saying it, doesn't mean that trumps everybody else in the room. And it definitely doesn't trump the Word of God. Each person who feels led to step out and operate in the gifts must, must submit to other leadership. In other words, you can't pull the God card. That's one of the things. Well, you're grieving Holy Spirit. No, you're grieving Holy Spirit. If I don't do this, you're grieving Holy Spirit. No, if you're doing it, and that's causing the Holy Spirit to be, it causing the congregation to be grieved. You understand? You understand that? People think they can just say, "Well, Holy Spirit wants wants to do this." And that, and that trumps everything. No, it does not trump everything. It does, the Holy Spirit never does anything contrary to the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit, I can't say this enough, Holy Spirit does not make you do anything. There's a lot of you sitting here that has trouble speaking in tongues and having a spiritual prayer language because you're waiting for Holy Spirit to grab your tongue and make you say something. He does not make you speak. He gives you the utterance. What is the utterance? If I knew how to speak speak German and I gave you some, and you didn't know how to speak German, I will give you some words in German, right? Then you have to speak them out of your mouth. Do you know what words you're saying? No, you're only saying the words that I gave you to speak, right? Right? But if you don't say them, you won't speak German. And if you, if Holy Spirit tells you to say something, which you're not going to know what it means, what it says, but you say, well, I don't know what that means. I don't know if that's right. I don't know. And, and you won't say it. You will never speak in tongues. And what's wonderful about speaking in tongues, we speak the mis- we're going to teach on this. You speak the mysteries of God. The Bible says it edifies you. It builds you up on your most holy faith. And then you get to ask that you interpret it. You get to get revelation. You get to get revelation from heaven as Holy Spirit speaks through you. You get to have understanding and wisdom from that. You, it bypasses, this will, this will help you so much. It bypasses your carnal mind and speaks directly from your spirit. Your spirit gives you the words and you speak it out. You're praying the perfect will of God. But when you pull those, those God cards and, and, and you just stand up and you start speaking, praying the Spirit or whatever out loud in front of everyone, it's, it, and it's not operating in grace and humility, but your own desires, it's the flesh. This is out of order and it's a fleshly demonstration of the gifts. But even more important is that it keeps you ignorant of a genuine spiritual demonstration of the gifts of the kingdom that can produce fruit. The desire of Karis NTC is to see biblical manifestations of the Spirit on a regular basis. Our desire is to disciple and mature believers in being spiritual and operating in the gifts of the Spirit. 
to see the fruit of the kingdom of God produced in the earth. Not, not just in this corporate body, but in everyday life. To see the Spirit of God manifest in your home. So, some of you need the Spirit of God to start permeating your homes. Some of you need to take it to work. Some of you need to take it to school. Some of you need to take it to all your interactions and daily life. Being witnesses of God's goodness in His kingdom. To see Jesus glorified and His all-encompassing redemption manifest in the earth. For believers to live as God intended in partnership with Him and by and through Holy Spirit. But here's where we need, we need to pray. I need everyone to continue to pray that to have a genuine move of God in our church, we as leadership and as a church have to be willing to lose people. It usually happens. And this is why for a lot of you, you've never even heard a, a message on this topic before in church. Because they're afraid they're going to lose people. i got lots of stuff to do. I, my, my life is very, very busy. If I lose you all, well, I got sound like I don't have anything else to do. No. That's tongue-in-cheek. But understand, it, you you got to be prepared to lose people. And the reason why pastors won't teach on these biblical principles, why they won't teach on the kingdom of God, why they won't teach on Holy Spirit. And a lot of you are sitting there thinking, I didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. It's because they're afraid of losing people. The goal is not losing people, though. The goal is leading people, saving people, discipling people, empowering people, and changing the world around us. There are two groups that are in danger when a church pushes into the, into the gifts in a greater way. The first group are those that misuse the gifts by putting their own desires above the good of the body. And then when correction comes, they get offended and they leave. The second group are those that are fearful of being spiritual and have been taught horrible anti-Holy Spirit messages. I can't tell you how many times I've heard someone tell me, it, it had, to been, had to been over a dozen times, the same story. Every time I've, you start talking about speaking in tongues, you say, well, I, was, I, I wasn't in the church, but someone told me that in their church, this missionary showed up and someone spoke in tongues and they said, though, that's my, my language. And they interpreted it, and they were blaspheming God. You know how many times I've heard that same stinking story? You can, Holy Spirit cannot blaspheme God, and you have the Spirit of God. It's a lie. And it's just taught to make people fearful. Listen, if, if the Apostle Paul says, I speak in tongues more than you all, and he wrote th three quarters of the New Testament, who are you to say that you don't need to? Do you know why he wrote three quarters of the New Testament? Because he spoke in tongues more than them all. 
See? Told you I'd get someone mad at me. But the second people are these people that, that are fearful of the things of God. They like to be in control. They don't want to be pointed out. They don't want to be seen. They, 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 they don't want to be embarrassed. We've got to be willing to be a fool for Jesus. Because he takes the foolish things and confounds the wise. These, these in this group are just as much controlled by their flesh as the latter. You're controlled by your flesh and not by the Spirit. God wants so much more for you. God desires for you to see Him in such a greater way. God desires for you to see yourself in such a greater way. As leadership, we'd rather see God move biblically and in a fruitful way and offend these groups than have a dry, non-life-changing, religious experience. Amen? Amen. Is God, do we want a God that's alive? Or just someone we talk about in a book that you have on your coffee table that's covered with dust. But as with all things of the kingdom, there is a price to pay. And to have a move of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit operate in an orderly way. But the fruit that produces from a move of God far outweighs any initial price in the beginning. And that's where leadership in a church has to be willing to say, I'm going with God, not the flesh. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13.9 it says, For we know in part and we prophesy in part. We all must walk in humility. We must all walk in submission to God. We all must walk in submission to one another and, and loving one another and thinking of others more highly than ourselves. The ways of the kingdom of the Spirit are not dogmatic or religious, but there's mystery in it. We do not know all things. There's mystery in it. Why? Why does God give mystery? Why is there unanswered questions that, that you have in your head? Why is there this mystery? It's because God leaves mystery because He wants relationship with you. He wants you to come find Him. He wants you to search Him out. You want, he wants you to ask Him questions. He wants to lead you and guide you into all truth. It comes right back to how we started this message. It's all about relationship and having a deeper, intimate relationship with God Almighty. So it is a faith, it's a relationship, it's not a flesh, it's not bullet points. Or seven steps to operate in the prophetic. Or eight steps to receive your healing. Or nine steps to speaking in tongues. It's not steps, it's not religion, it's relationship. It's not one, two, three steps. Next week, Pastor Tom's going to cover in detail the determining factor whether the gift or manifestation is being operated in the Spirit or motiv motivated, motivated and initiated by flesh.
right? So we, we, we just pointed out this week that, the, that flesh can get into spiritual things and we can say that it's spiritual and we can, we can people might even think, well, if that's spiritual, I don't want to be it. Do that. So how do we know if what we're doing is of the flesh or of the spirit? Well, next week you're going to find out. That's a good reason to show up, ain't it? Right? But listen, like life, church gets messy sometimes. Right? Church gets messy sometimes. So does your family, right? Wherever, there, wherever there's more than one person, there's, a, there's, there's, a dis, there's, there's an opportunity for disagreement and messiness. Right? Except it with me and Amanda. We, we, it's, everything's perfect with us. But there's opportunity. And sometimes things get messy. And there has to be grace. There has to be mercy. It gives us a chance to walk in humility. It gives us a chance to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. To walk in grace, mercy, and love. Right? Kenneth Hagin said the following, and, and I, 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 I agree with him. And this is the whole reason we're teaching this series. He says, I would rather have a little wildfire. Now, what does wildfire mean? That's Pentecostal talk with people getting out of hand and calling it spiritual. I would rather have a little wildfire than the order of a funeral dirge and no fire at all. So what, did, what is Kenneth Hagin saying? He's, he's saying, I would rather have lean to... People trying trying to operate in the things of God and getting in the flesh, than being dead in the flesh. And like I said at the beginning of this series, do you desire? Do you desire? Some of you need to go back and read the Book of Acts. Do you desire to see the church like the Book of Acts? Well, we can be like the Book of Acts by just doing the principles. Operate in the Holy Spirit, trusting in the Holy Spirit, desiring for that baptism of the Holy Spirit, desiring to be filled again and again and again and again and let the Holy Spirit move, move with us. We can start praying and believing and expecting to have a move of the Spirit in our lives that blesses others, ministers freedom to the captives, and doesn't leave people, our church, or church leaders in a mess. Amen? Amen. Amen. This is going to be good. We're going somewhere, church. Jane. Amen. That's good. I, that's, I take that as a compliment. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you desire, church? Do you desire God in a greater way? Are you are you are, 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 you, are we are we tired? Are we tired of just the dogmatic routine and ritual? Does the question ever come in your mind? God, is this it? Is this all? Am I just is this just the waiting room to get to heaven? Or could it be possible? That God wants to manifest heaven through you. Amen? Amen. I went long, real long. I apologize. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you for your great love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you.
for Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the move that you are going to do in this congregation, in our communities, in our homes, in this nation, through this third great awakening. We thank you that you are turning the hearts of your people back to you in a greater, greater way. We thank you for order in the church body and and, and in the gifts of the Spirit. And we thank you that you are going to produce fruit in the lives of these individuals. We just bless you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karis.com.